Hey everybody, Chef Matt here. Uh, really excited to introduce this new segment we have on the Max Effort Kitchen. It's called For the Love of Food. It's going to be dedicated to everything food. It's technique, it's culture, it's um, different uh, industry tricks of the trade, it's it's tools of the kitchen, it's everything you can think of. Recipe breakdown, it's where we are going to come and nerd out about food. And so I encourage everybody to come in. It's myself. It's going to be my new co-host, Sarah. She's just getting into the culinary world. I have been in the culinary world. So we have two very different perspectives. And I think it'll bring for um, a really fun show. So without further ado, come check us out. Welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. Um, I am here, Chef Matt, with my newest co-host, uh, Sarah. How do you want to be? A, do you, how do you want to be announced? Is Sarah? Do you do you have a uh, code name or like you know what? What do you want to be called? Um, I think Sarah is fine for now. <laughs> okay. Maybe something super cool like my su- a superhero name down the line. I like that superhero Sarah. That's cool, superhero <laughs> Sarah. Well, Sarah, um, welcome to the show. Uh, we've done one episode together. It went so well that I figured why not do another and create a whole series because we have a very, um, a very, uh, common, big commonality and that's food and that's the love of food that we have. So, um, I don't know. I just, so I, I started brainstorming. I got a hold of Sarah. I was like, Hey, you want to, you want to do something fun? And she was like, yes, all about it. And so here we are. We're starting a new show. We're going to do it, what did we say, twice a month? Yeah. Okay, twice a month. Um, we don't have a specific day yet. I think that'll get uh, hammered out after we start to feel what, it, what, it, what it's like to do the shows. Sarah's super busy. I'm super busy. But we're all just, we're just trying to make a fun show. And really, in, in my thought, the show is all about everything about food. And we're going to dive into all the different realms of food that we can think of, right? I mean, that's kind of what we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how's, how's your day been, Sarah? Pretty good. Extra tired today, but still like going along on my third cup of coffee. But, nice, you know. nice. I like that. I like that. You know, I'm, I'm an, uh, I like, <laughs> I like caffeine. <laughs> I love coffee. Um, but caffeine definitely uh, plays a part in my life with, with the weightlifting and everything like that. So I'm very specific about the consumption and when I do can take on caffeine and when I don't in order to uh, not take too much throughout the day because that can happen sometimes. It so, definitely can. I've yeah. become a very jittery caffeine chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, hey, um, you reached out to me a couple couple days ago and you were like, hey – um, do you have any recommendations on culinary school? Have you, uh, so you're searching for a culinary school. Have you given any thought to, you know, do you have any direction or are you kind of still, is everything still up in the air? Definitely up in the air. Cause there's a, there's a lot of directions I feel motivated to go mm-hmm. with. Um, and anywhere from like 
a community college culinary school to a little bit more prestigious institution to a four-year college in a food-related field. Right. You know, it's my senior year. It's all about figuring things out to some extent, at least. I like that. And, you know, the one thing uh, that, man, I so I actually, I, I took a different path. I went, I got into the food industry and started working and then um, once I started figuring things out, I went to culinary school and I, I can't tell you there's a, there's a best way to do it because the best way to do it is the way that is going to work for you. Right. You know? Yeah. I really, I really liked what you had to say about, um, you know, going to the four year, getting like a food science and then doing culinary or maybe even like, I, you know, if you go to the right school, they'll have a culinary program. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Do, do the four-year colleges, do they have the, do they have a culinary program usually? Um, I haven't found any that has both a um, degree I'm interested in and a culinary program. Okay. okay. Um, there are a few that do have a few culinary settings. I found a few that partner with community colleges that do have a culinary program to create some sort of like hybrid degree right. that combines both both more the academic side of food with the more you know in the moment cooking you mm-hmm. know experience side of food yeah and that's you know we've talked about this so, you know what you get out of culinary school is you get a little bit of the academic and it depends on what degree you're going for because you know most most culinary schools will have uh an array of type of degrees so like the one i went to it was a six-month program that was just a certificate right there was the um, the one year program that was uh, just a, a culinary arts, and that's it. And then they had what which was the dual program, which was the uh, culinary management. So you got to learn the back of the house, and you got to learn the front of the house, and then you got to learn how to basically build a restaurant from scratch. I really that's the one I took, and that took about eighteen months to graduate. And there's no uh, there's no summer breaks. I don't believe there was spring break either. I don't remember there was, but it was, it was straight through. It was Monday through Friday. They did a really good job of, of emulating, um, what, you know, the, the demands of the hours you're going to be working in a restaurant, you know? So like I went to night school, I was starting at, uh, sometimes one o'clock and I wasn't out of school until, you know, 10 o'clock and mind you in a restaurant, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but, there was a good uh, a good mix of like practical versus sitting down in a classroom, and the practical you know everybody wants to be in the kitchen right, um, but yeah. it's funny because like you get in there and you're and you learn so much like I still in fact I just saw one the other day I had I have these like notebooks um, just the college rule you know notebooks full front and back pages of notes I was taking in the classroom because there's so much information. And the way that they worked, it was they gave you basically exactly what you need to do the day before in the classroom. Next day, we're doing it in the kitchen. There wasn't no reminders. So you had to have your notebook out. You had to know what you're doing. You had to get your mise en place. You got to understand the the assignment and then go and execute it and show. And there's... There was a, a funny instance. <clears throat> I remember it. So we called it, there was, everything was in terms. And so it was like T1, T2, T3, 
when you were in T3, that's like being a senior in high school. It's like those, you know, so you go, you move up tiers. Um, but in T1, I remember the, uh, we had a chef instructor named Chef White and she, and I just ran into her and oh, it was really cool, but she was, uh, one of the coolest people I've ever met, but she would walk around and she would look at like your cutting board and what you're doing. And she would just like, look and say, well, why are you doing that? Even if you were doing the right thing, why are you doing that? You know, cause she wanted to understand if you comprehended like what was going on, not, not just following a, a line of instructions. And I really enjoyed that. And then the next in T2, I had the chef, uh, chef Haldeman by far one of the most influential guys that I had there or chef instructors I had there. He wouldn't say a word to you. He'd just watch you just like stand there, watch you and then walk off. And you're like, Oh my God, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? What like, what's going on? And, but it was like, and I remember asking him after, you know, after graduation and all that, I was like, you just stood there and like stared like, what, what were you doing? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm not there to tell you how to do it. I'm there to make sure you're doing it right. And he's like, so if I have something to say, I'll say it, but I'm not going to sit there and give you 10 pointers on how to do one thing and just confuse you even more. So you know, technical, the whole technical ability in culinary school is a lot of fun. You know, you, you get to understand the dynamic of being in a restaurant, um, but not the full exposure of what it means. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. That kind of reminds me, um, the kitchen lead at the job that I had this summer, um, Mm -hmm. He would just, if I made a mistake, he wouldn't tell me. And he'd let me make that mistake again and again and again until all of a sudden I'd go, wait a second, I'm doing this wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a, an interesting management style. And I have a bit of that in my management style where I'm like, I, you know, I'm not going to hold the hand. I've given you the instructions. I'm not going to hold the hand, but I'll step in when it comes to you know, the detriment of your psyche or the detriment of the restaurant. Like if you're, you know, if you're making, if somebody's making a plate wrong and it's getting sent back multiple times, that's when I'll probably step in and be like, all right, we need to make sure and do it, you know, A, B, and C. And, you know, it sounds like that's kind of like what was going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because you learn best when you figure it out yourself, when you make those, your own mental connections that sticks with you. I think so. I mean, you know, I, I'm a, uh, I'm a big advocate of, of learning from your mistakes. And yeah. I think the kitchen is a really good po- a place for that to happen. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've made some mistakes in the kitchen, a lots of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's all about, it's all about that. You know, something else I got out of culinary school that was really um, unexpected. And I didn't know was that was such a thing. And I briefly talked to you about this last time, which was, uh, the ability to go work with people in the industry, like on the weekends, like you get to volunteer for, uh, you know, the Oregon, you know, the bite of Oregon that's, that's downtown, or maybe there's like a heritage farm that's having, you know, um, a big, uh, you know, farm to table dinner, you get to go help cook, right. And you get to volunteer for these things and you get to work with these really cool people and these farmers and these, uh, these chefs and you get to really get a feel for like the, the passion of what these people are doing and why they do what they do. Like the best one was, was the pig farmer, like going out there and, and experiencing like a, from a farmer's point of point of view on how they raise their pigs. Right. 
That's a really yeah. cool. That's a really cool thing. It just it really shows you um, the passion and respect for food on every single level. And having those opportunities is definitely something I would love to have if I, if I go up to either culinary school or a four year college. Um, just being able to interact with food in the community and people from like all over and just sharing that passion on different aspects of food. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good thing. So, and I can almost promise you that you will have those opportunities because they want you to, they want you to experience it. They want you to make connections with people, you know, classmates of mine got jobs because of the things they did, you know, during school, uh, you'll have internships. Like the main thing I can say is be a sponge and just block everything out, be a sponge, and just soak it all in and do everything you possibly can because that's, that's how you're going to get the best experience out of it. You're going to get bad experiences. You're going to get great experiences, but you're going to walk away uh, feeling like a little just that much more confident to walk into a restaurant and start working at that restaurant, you know? But you've done it before yeah. already, so... You know, talk about. I still remember my first day. I was so nervous. I kept going, "Am I gonna do good? I don't know if I'm good enough." And like, I kept, I kept flashing between, like, before my shift, I was flashing between, like, crippling anxiety and just like an uncontainable excitement. It was crazy in a good way. Talk about your first day a little bit, and like, so what did they have you do? Like when you came in, you know, what, what, how was the explanation? What, just talk about that process. Let's see. Okay, so when I first came in, you know, um, they kind of showed me around. And as soon as I stepped into the kitchen, my at first, I was just like completely overwhelmed. Like the stove, like not the stove, the um, grill lit on fire. The heat was insane. There was so much going on. There was like so many people running around. And I was excited to be a part of it. But at the same time, a, like a little bit of a little part of me was just like, wow, this is not what I expected. Right. But it was at the same time. I don't know. And at first, um, I was I started on the fry station. I was originally hired just to be like a support um, member in the kitchen, you know, grabbing extra ingredients, prepping a, some food we need, doing right. like everything fry side. Right. Um, and my first day, that's like kind of where I was, and I was like trying to remember all these different portions um, and all the different ingredients that would go in, into these different things, and it was so. Like, um, it was so, it was a little bit overwhelming to remember everything. Um, but sorry, my brain is a little bit. No, that's okay. You're doing great. (laughs) I'm trying to find the best way to explain it, but my overly tired self is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and the one thing I'll, I'll remind you on because you know, you're, you're pretty new kids. What's that? Uh Oh, it, it froze up a little bit there. Look at that. Yeah. Okay. Same on my side. <laughs> um, so the one thing I'll remind you about podcast is just, you can say whatever you want. We're recording. I can always edit anything out. So it's like, if you're like, yeah, I didn't like that very much. That's totally fine. Um, but yeah, you know, one thing I was going to ask you is like, when you walked away from that first day, when you walked away from your very first day, shift is over, aprons in, you're leaving. Like what was the what were the thoughts going through your head? I just thought, yes, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. I want to be with food. Yeah, I felt reassured. It was a crazy hectic day. There was at one point where I was cooking 
I think an hour straight, like nonstop, like it was insane mm-hmm. in for me for, on my first day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, my line lead at the time said, wow, that was a fun little rush. And I thought that was a little rush. Yeah. <laughs> I did learn that was a little rush. Yeah. But, yep. um, and even, it, but it was a lot of hard work, a lot of adrenaline and it just kind of felt right. I walked out of there ecstatic like wow i can't believe i just got to do that yeah that's cool. and i can't wait to keep doing that that's cool that's really neat um you know it's uh it's moments like that that i encourage you to remember throughout your career because you're going to come upon some really challenging times and everybody does you know it's like there's especially and i'm not going to act like you know we're elitist by any means but in this industry we come on some really challenging, hard times. And there, I can think of probably five points in my career where um, literally, and you know, I'm I'm not too proud to say, but like I wanted to clock out of my shift at the end of the day and I wanted to go outside and just start crying because it was that intense. And, you know, whether or not it was like a mistake that was made or it was um, the level of, of um, you know, customer complaints that were coming in or whatever, or the just the level of business that we couldn't keep up with. Like, I, you know, it's, I, I don't, I, it's not like I did go and, and like sob or cry or anything, but it was like that really overwhelming feeling of like, oh God, I got to catch my breath because, um, you know, you, we, we love what we're doing here, but like, there's that moment and that moment, those moments will happen where you get a dish sent back. And then next thing you know, you have to make that dish on the fly and everything behind you is sitting. So it all starts to snowball and then you get another dish sent back and you're like, okay, take a deep breath. Remember to focus on one thing at a time. And you're I constantly like telling myself this focus, focus, focus one thing at a time. And then you get customers wanting to talk to you and then, you know, so, and then everything starts happening on different levels and you're just like, okay, I can do this. And the one thing, the one piece of advice I always tell everybody is like, there is an end to a shift. There's no such thing as something that's going to go on for, it may be painful in the middle of it, but guess what? There is a point in the day where you get to clock out and just remember that. And sometimes that helps people and sometimes it doesn't, but it can be crazy. It can be really, really crazy. It definitely can be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was only in the kitchen for a few months and I wasn't even like, I was never on closing shift because, you know, I wasn't allowed to be. And there were times where the closing people wouldn't get out there till 2 a.m. Correct. Where I went home consistently every single day at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And... There were definitely moments like where everything just went crazy, where we'd have four screens worth of orders, where I accidentally would like, oh, I remember this one time, everything went super crazy for a second, and I kept forgetting which what, which cheese was the vegan cheese. is, And I put on the vegan cheese, thought I put on the wrong cheese, took that cheese off, put on, <laughs> on, on the wrong cheese, then I had to take that cheese off and put on the right cheese. Yep, yep. Um, and after that, we were backed up by like, it completely snowballed us, yeah. but just like you said, one thing at a time. And once you get off work, it's just like this, once your shift ends, it's just this 
feeling of fulfillment. Like, yeah, I just did that. Yep. And now I can go home and just kind of bask in it. Yeah. You know, we talk about that in the industry a lot, which is the, it's the Friday night effect. And it's like, you know, when, when you work a Friday night and you've worked a Friday night before, it is, it's more intense. There's more people out. It's like, you know, people are going out to dine on a Friday night and it's going to be busy. And it's generally in the restaurant industry. It's the busiest day of the week, generally speaking. Um, and you get to experience like straight intensity in the kitchen. I mean, even in the front, if you're working in front of the house, serving tables, straight intensity, everything has to be organized. It has to work in a system has to be, um, you know, one thing at a time. And once you get through that, even though you were just sweating bullets, you were get you know, you were constantly moving, like you felt like you were like had five hands moving at once. The end of that. And what you just said is exactly what happens is you get and you're like, holy crap, I just did that. Then when you start working with a team, when you start like closing the restaurant and everybody's, then that's when the camaraderie comes about. You know, because there is a big level of camaraderie that happens in restaurants where you guys get to sit there and, you know, maybe you go out for breakfast because, you know, a lot of times we would go out for breakfast at like midnight, you know, go, go hit up a Sherry's or something and, and eat some breakfast. And you just sit there and talk about the night. But it's like this, it's like you're a team and you rolled through this together and you got through it together and you all got beat up. But at the same time, you you're like, I can't wait to get back to back to it next, you know, tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a good day too, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of like, like you said, camaraderie, loyalty in the kitchen. Yeah. You don't leave, um, you don't leave your team hanging. Like there were times where we'd be like on break eating a meal and all of a sudden we get backed up and you, you stop your meal and you go and you help. Yep. Yeah, you do. And, and you, you have to have each other's backs and that's all there is to it. And I'm, you know, I came from a very, a very big team sport. I, I played football in college and did all, all the team sports in high school. And, and to me, it just clicked. It made sense. Like when I, you know, cooking on the line with my kitchen team just made sense because we all had to have each other's back. Now we were all responsible for a, a sole item or a sole area in the kitchen but we you had to shift. There was there's times where maybe grill was, you know, getting blasted. So somebody, you know, I needed somebody to come over and and help prep some of my meats so I can get them on there, or you know, or even take them off and, and finish them in the throw them in the oven for me, or or get some sides going. You know, it's like you gotta you gotta see what your team needs. But that and that that's something that um, I I heard over the week and I actually reposted on. Uh, the Instagram, which was the difference between a cook and a chef is the, the cooks produce the food. They make the food. They get it to the customers. The chef is the chef is the commander. The chef is making sure that the food is getting put where it needs to be, that it looks where it needs to be, that is making sure that all the cooks are doing what they need to be doing. So he's like the, the, the general commander of like the kitchen, where the cooks are the ones doing the work. They're the ones producing the food. And I thought that that was a really neat way to explain it um, because it's very true. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I would imagine where you were working, you probably didn't have a head chef standing out there wiping plates or anything like that, right? You more, it was more yeah, of an expo person. 
Yeah, it was a very small team. There's usually only like two or three of us in the kitchen at once. Yeah. yeah. Um, we did have a um, kitchen manager. Right. And, you know, he was in charge. He was mostly in charge. You know, he would make the plans and do the ordering and teach us stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like the kitchen brigade. The kitchen brigade is actually, it's based off of the military. Is that right? Yeah, sure is. It's based off the French military. Um, Escoffier was the first one that actually put that together. And there's, there's something, um, you know, for me, I, I really appreciate the, the brigade and the way it's set up. Um, there, there, we're starting to see a shift in the industry where that brigade is starting to get broken down at most restaurants. Now you go to your higher end restaurants. It's not, it's still there and it's very prevalent. Um, but the brigade is, um, it works on different levels of different types of restaurants, but, uh, there is a level of the brigade that's starting to get broken down because of new, um, you know, cultural standards that we are living by. And, and I think that's a, in a way that's a really good thing because there was uh, a hand of the brigade that is very, um, it's like you said, military, right? And it, yeah. it it can be very militant. I mean, uh, I worked, I did an internship at uh, the Marriott downtown, French chef, didn't speak much English, but I'll tell you one thing. He did not like uh, people whistling in his kitchen. I whistled. I heard that. You never whistle in a European chef's kitchen. <laughs> Correct. I'll tell you, I got lemons thrown at my head and I like to me, I'm like, okay, I'll, I just better shut up. But I don't know if that's necessarily going to transfer to the next person or to the next person. And so we got to, you know, as, as, as a chef myself, I have to uh, be very uh, diligent with my words and with my actions to try to make sure that we're getting the right things done and being um, still being appropriate and treating people with respect because any, you know, as you go back in time, you know, I, I, I hate to say it this way, but, and maybe this is the harsh way to say it, but a kitchen, um, tends to, you know, it works like a military, but it, there's, there's a level of respect that you get at a certain level, right? So yeah, you got a prep cook probably ain't going to get much respect at that point. Um, you got a line cook that might get a little bit more respect. You got a sous chef that probably has some respect. The grand manger, you know, like they're probably, um, making fun of that guy in the background or, or the bakers, <laughs> you know, everybody's talking crap about the bakers. Like it, it's, <laughs> I, I'm probably scaring people and I'm not meaning to, but it's, it's a really beautiful thing. It really is. And everybody does come together no matter what the level of respect is in the moment. Yeah. So. <laughs> everybody, everybody's a team and everybody, um, you know, everybody works together, but at the same time, you kind of poke fun at your comrades a bit. That's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. The kitchen is like a big, fun family full of Correct. like bickering siblings. Correct. I agree with that. And I love that's the perfect way of putting it. And that's also going to uh, segue us right into our next topic here, which um, I thought was going to be a fun one. So Sarah and I came up with uh, basically our top three items that we want to have on us in the kitchen. And so we'll go back and forth. Uh, we'll talk about it. Um, and uh, let's see. Do you want me to start? Or do you want to start? Um, I guess I can start. Okay. Go for it. 
So it's really hard to narrow it down to, you know, top yes. it's definitely I, like I go through transitions, okay, you know? Okay. But, and I guess for a second, like everybody knows that a chef knife is an absolute staple. Yes. Like you can't cook a meal without a chef knife. Like Correct. what are you doing? Correct. But, um, I kind of wanted to pay ode to, um, oh, the rocking knives, like the, uh, sorry, the Sandoku rocking knives yeah. and stuff like that, like where you can get like a lot of different rock and height mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. When I look for my chef knives, when I look at chef knives, I look for ones that have good rocking capability also, because it's just a, such an efficient way to prep and cut. And I got my first rocking knife the other day. I was looking, it's been a couple of years of me trying to find the perfect, like, knife set with like a chef knife that has a good rock and a um rocking knife in general and i finally found one and i am absolutely like enamored with it i i have not put it down i i've actually been kind of bad in using it as a chef knife a little bit just (laughs) because i just i just love used to the feel of it but it's like it's the best thing ever because of the precision the consistency the speed i was first introduced to like a really awesome rocking knife at my job we had this giant one it was like three inches tall yeah oh like the yeah. blade width and its rock was insane i could like be be rocking and like slicing an onion it mm-hmm. was great um and i've been trying to find one um that has had that capability i found a six inch one that gets pretty high okay. i want to get an eight inch an eight inch long one so I can get even more height with nice. it when I'm slicing. Yeah. I like, I like the eight inch uh, chef knife because that allows me to have a lot of control. And that's, that's the whole point of with the knife is you want to be able to handle it with the control. That was a great answer. And I say that was a great answer because that was my number one as well. You gotta have a chef knife. You know, one of the first things we learn in school, one of the first things we learn in a restaurant is like, First of all, safety first, right? Safety first. If you don't have a do- the the most unsafe tool in a kitchen is a dull knife. And I say that yeah. because, you know, it's not going to cut it it ain't going to cut the vegetable, but it will cut your finger. And um I've seen some pretty gnarly cuts and burns and all that stuff, but a chef knife is something is that's like it's like the lightsaber to the Jedi, right? You you, you just have it. And you carry it around and it's yours and ain't nobody touching it. You can let people borrow it, but you better scare the, you know, the life of, or, you know, scare the death out of them because if they ruin it, <laughs> you're coming. Uh, but like, <laughs> I, it's just one of those things. A chef's knife is like, that's my counterpart. That is what I do. I can do so much with it. And, you know, you you just got to have it. So great, great answer. All right. We'll move on to number two. You do. Uh, And like you said, you have to, um, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, like, like you were talking about, you gotta be safe with a knife. It's very like instrument, like very important. I actually got a really, really nice, um, nice, (laughs) really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Really nice. Oh my God. Um, a really nice chef knife. I think it was three years ago. My brother was looking for a knife manufacturer nice. and he got like 60% off. So he, so he, um, let me get one with his discount. Oh. And I almost sliced my finger off the second time mm-hmm. I used it. And yep. it went in a drawer until I knew proper like knife safety. Yeah. And I, and I finally pulled it out like six months ago. That's great. What, do you remember what kind of, do you know the name of the brand? 
It's a shoon. Oh, shoon. Oh, those are great knives. Cool. Um, I will say my my favorite. It's not the chef knife I have. My chef knife I have is very true and and dear to my heart. But if I were to recommend people getting uh, that like we're, we're getting into culinary or like just learning uh, knife skills, I would say go to the Wustoffs because those are lifelong knives and they have every knife you can think of. You can customize it. Um, I have a knife that um, is actually uh, very customized to me and the way I hold my knife. And so it was, you know, I got it, actually I got it down in McMinnville from a knife maker that, uh, that is, it was, it was a really kind of a serene event of like, I'm buying, I'm getting this knife right here because this fits with my hand perfectly. And then they gave me some pointers on how to actually, it has like a, has a wood handle. And so they're like, here, do this to it and it will actually mold to your hand. And so now I have a knife that is really only dedicated to me. And wow. <laughs> it's funny when, when Alana tries to use it, she's like, I don't, I don't want to touch this thing. So I'm going to put it <laughs> down. <laughs> and then I have my culinary school uh, set that I got. Cause when you go to school, you know, that's part of like, you get books and you get a, a, a knife set. And then they're, yeah. they're generally like, you know, good utility knives. And I've had these, the one I got the Mercers there. I mean, they were the, I don't know. I, I think they're great knives. I've had them since I graduated in 2011 and they hold an edge. I sharpen them once a month and it's good to go, you know? So, but yes, knife skills is a very good one. All right. Moving on to number two. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, first, <laughs> this is a, a very favorite of mine. And anybody who's ever listened to this show is going to know what I'm going to say. It's a cast iron pan. I can cook anything in a cast iron pan and I can cook it really well. I think a cast iron pan is also a thing that stays with you, um, through life. It's just like a knife because you have to season it. Uh, you have to take care of it. You you have to care for it in ways that you don't care for your other pots and pans. You know, it's it's like and literally I've I've told my entire family like when I pass, I want this thing to go with me, <laughs> and it will it will last that long. And so it's it can just cook everything. It can cook everything from eggs to proteins to vegetables, um, pancakes. I can cook apple pies in it. I can cook. You can stick it straight in the oven from the stove. Exactly. And that that's and it and it retains heat. I've cooked pizza in it. I mean, there's nothing you can't, I can't cook in this thing. And um so I I just find it to be one of the most useful tools uh for me to have. So that's my number that, 2. That was actually my number 2. Cast iron pans <laughs> along with non-stick what? pans. You got to have a cast iron pan because of the control of heat that mm-hmm, you have. Mm-hmm. Like you can it's just so specific in the way the heat spreads. It's great and it's versati- versatility like Yeah. Uh, and then with sorry, with non-stick pans, it's a lot of control over the food itself because yep. it doesn't stick the same way. Correct. So you're able to just like control the way it browns and the way it moves a lot better. So those two like those are the two pans that you kind of got to have in my opinion. I agree. You know, the two pans I use in my kitchen are a, the 24 inch cast iron. And then I have a four inch nonstick egg pan. That thing doesn't see soap. I, I'm telling you, right. It doesn't see soap and it does not see a metal, 
uh, anything metal because I don't want it scratching it. It's hot water. It's wash it until it, it you the water runs clear, same as I would use for my cast iron. And if I need to scrape anything off, which generally doesn't have to happen, it's like a, a plastic like baker's knife or something, you know? Yeah. But I also find a little bit of water on non-sticks takes anything straight off. It really does. Yeah. 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 So heat it up, put on some water, it sizzles, clean. And, you know, who doesn't like to flip an egg in a nonstick pan? I mean, come on. <laughs> so satisfying. I really oh, is. I learned the other day for the first time via TikTok, okay. one of TikToks. Yeah. You know, one of the few times TikTok has aided me other than just me sitting there, like, <laughs> completely enamored for three hours. Right. No, um, yeah. Yep. Is that uh, using a nonstick without oil is the best way to cook pancakes for even browning? 100%. You know, it took me a while to actually figure that out is that you don't need the oil or the butter on a nonstick. Now, there are certain types of pancakes you can cook. I like I will actually take a nonstick and I'll put a half a stick of butter in it and let it, you know, uh completely melt and then I'll cook a pancake in that and I don't even think it's a pancake at that point because what it does is it, it's like a fry bread almost. And yeah. I eat oh, it like, that sounds good. It's really good. <laughs> I, I'm I telling. see that with like a cornbread pancake. Yeah, really exactly. Good. That would be fantastic. Maybe some like jalapenos and cheese and stuff in there. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Oh, I love <laughs> rosemary and cornbread, like powdered rosemary, wow. cranberries. Yeah, that's oh. great. That would be cheddar awesome. Cheddar cheese, white cheddar, like a good white cheddar cheese. Yes. Oh, I love cornbread. Yes. I'm a cornbread fanatic. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. Cornbread is fantastic. All right, so what's your number three? My number three is an immersion blender. I cannot I like it. do anything without my immersion blender. I like uh, uh, because you can like have a lot more control over sauces. You accidentally make like some sort of um, like a gravy or sauce lumpy. Whip out, out your immersion blender, small batch sauces. I do a lot of cooking for myself just because I have very specific tastes and my whole family – most of my most of my family, I should rephrase, yeah. are losers. They are so boring. <laughs> so you just froze. On oh me yeah, again. I know you froze too. Uh, that's all right. It'll it, we'll we'll edit that stuff out. Um, but you were saying about your family. Yeah, they just um, a lot of them. They don't have very diverse tastes. It's mm. very it's like I've learned to work around it, and I've learned yep. how to make fancier food in a way they like after all this trial and error. But mm-hmm. I still like my crazy thrown together, like very advanced palate meals. And um, an emotion blender is perfect for small batch yep. sauces. Like it's really hard to do it in um, a blender or a or a food processor when you want a fourth of a cup of something. Right, but my emotion exactly. blender aids me so well. Like I like that. I like that. that. That's a that's a good move, and uh, I, I I I agree with you. I think that the immersion blender is a good one to have. I'm going to uh, take a step in a different direction, and I'm going to say uh, my tasting spoons. I have to have my tasting spoons, and I and you look into my uh, my kitchen, and you see you know regular you know kind of regular tablespoons, regular forks, and maybe like you know, 15 ish of each. And then I have like 45 t- tasting spoons and they're, they're very distinct because here's the thing. And here's one thing that I really, uh, I learned very early on. Um, and it didn't stick with me very well until I really figured it out, which is tasting your food all the way through, you know, 
there's this idea that if we taste raw food, we're going to get sick. I, I'm, I've yet to get sick. Um, we know, you know, you'll know when to taste it and when not to taste it, obviously. You know, I'm probably not going to eat a bunch of raw chicken, uh, at least from the United <laughs> States. Um, but I will say that, like, um, I want to taste my, you know, my egg batter that I'm putting my French toast in. I want to taste uh, the sauce that's being made halfway through so I know what needs to be added. I want to taste it when it's done because I want to know when I put it on that plate, it's ready to go. Um, I want to taste my dressings. I want to, you know, it's like I want to taste everything. So not only does that assure me that the stuff that I'm putting on the plate is um, ready to go, well-seasoned, and whoever touches is going to love it, but it also allows me to do continually develop my palate because if there's one thing I know and is that my palate will never stop developing, you know, and that's a good thing. It's like the brain will never stop learning how to do different techniques or, or work with food in a different way. I want to continue to develop. It's a muscle. It's the, the palate is a muscle. It's like being able to pull flavors out of specific things that like most people are not or finding what is going to or what a dish needs. Like that's something a lot, like you'll do that a lot in school. You probably do that a lot now, which is, you know, you'll all sit around the sauce and you'll sit there and taste it. And the chef will be like, what does it need? You know, and everybody will have a different, like there might be some, some, uh, similarities, but most people will say, oh, it needs salt. It needs acid. It needs sweetness. Um, it, you know, maybe we throw some soy sauce in there to, to boost the umami, like, but like you, you're going to like you learn and you probably learned already, but like how different flavors hit your tongue and where, where you taste sour versus where you taste sweet are in two different spots in your mouth. And so to be able to put something like a sauce in your mouth and be able to have all that harmonious is um, that's when you know a dish is ready. That's when you're like, OK, this is dialed. This is it. We're, we're doing it. So tasting spoons. That's my, that's my third. And, uh, yeah, that was a really good list. So we had knife, we have cast iron, nonstick pans, and then immersion blender, tasting spoons. I mean, we could probably cook anything you need in the, in that, in that kitchen, right? Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I have to agree on tasting spoons. That's a really good one. I actually don't have designated, um, tasting spoons in, um, my kitchen, I kind of just stole the grapefruit spoons because they're <laughs> not the right size. <laughs> Here's the thing about a tasting spoon. It is what you want it to be. So, like, yeah. if that's your tasting spoon, that's great. Mine are, like, the larger size, old school, like, um, you know, Paisley design, design on it. It's just something I have I gathered along the way. And I call them yeah. my tasting spoons. So, I, you know, you could probably type in tasting spoons to Amazon and might find something. But... Like a tasting spoon is like, it's like your, um, the little mouse in your pocket, you know, it just sits there until you need it. And then you pull it out and you use it. Great. Put it back in your pocket. Go, you know? Yeah. So. Gotta taste. Like, I definitely like when I'm making a sauce, I'll taste it 10, 15 times. Yeah. I'll sometimes taste so much and not even hungry at right. the end of the meal. Oh yeah. That, that will happen. That happens a lot to me. Well, Sarah, this has been a great show. Um, I'm so excited for uh what we're doing here i think that it's going to meet uh, a good amount of, uh, of the audience and it'll be fun 
you know? So we'll, we'll jump on in two weeks. I will definitely uh, be posting this show like I did last time on my Instagram. I'll send it to you. Um, cause I don't, you're not on social media, so I will definitely send it over to you. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, give us feedback. If there's something you want us to talk about, if there's a recipe you want us to talk about, if there's a technique you want us or a culture, anything, if you want us to talk about something, just hit me up on Instagram. You all know how to get a hold of me by now. Um, and uh, I appreciate everything. Sarah, thank you for being here. Thanks so much. I'm stoked. Yeah, this will be fun. All right, everybody, have a great night, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>